Welcome to the Kingstonist Podcast, a daily look at news, sports, and all things Kingston. Brought to you by Taylor Audubon. When you buy a certified pre-owned from Taylor Automall, it means you have the backing of Canada's number one pre-owned sales brand. It also means that with your purchase, your vehicle will go through a rigorous 150 plus point inspection, comes with manufacturer's warranty, has 24 hour roadside assistance, and comes with a one-time exchange privilege. We have over 80 certified pre-owned on our lot right now. All makes, all models, anything you need. Certified pre-owned vehicles and Taylor Automall, above and beyond industry standards. And welcome to 15 Minutes With, brought to you by the Taylor Auto Mall. And I'm pleased to be joined by my former broadcast partner on the OHL tonight, Mark Potter. Mark, welcome to Venture Club. Nice to be here, Coach. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, to the broom closet. Yeah, we <laughs> spent too much time in cold hockey ranks watching bad <laughs> hockey, and we'll never get that back, you know, Coach. <laughs> those, were, those were the good old days. <laughs> they were. You used yeah. to be in that fishbowl at the uh, Memorial Center. At the Memorial Center, yeah, where you could see your breath in the studio. It was so cold. But this is a little bit uh, warmer in here, so thank spring, you. And then in the spring when uh, things started to melt, uh, things would be dripping <laughs> yeah. on, our, on, our, on our notes. Exactly. <laughs> Hard to believe we had John Tavares and Stamkos and uh, PK and a few guys uh, – Come into that studio no with us, but yeah. well, PK was a regular. He was absolutely. Yeah, yeah he. Uh, I think he he cut his 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 media teeth with us. Well, he sure did. Yeah, yeah. never at a loss for words, and still isn't today. But uh, you think about that, we had some great talent come through here, and no it kidding. continues to happen, right? Yeah, that we were there the night of uh, John Tavares's uh, first game in the OHL. Yeah, he scored, scored that shorthanded goal, yeah. and and I I think he was a couple weeks away from his fifteenth birthday. I think he was only fourteen at that time. Right. So yeah, pretty remarkable. And uh, do I recall correctly the Kings had a big lead in that game and blew it? Or, the, or that sounds <laughs> vaguely familiar. <laughs> hey, they beat London their final game in the Memorial Center, which was still probably my favorite broadcast. It was yeah. such an emotional night there, as you it know. Was. And the fact they actually beat London, who at the time and they still are today, a powerhouse. So that was that was quite a night. That was a great night. It had a lot of uh, old, uh, some of the original Kingston Canadians back, and uh, absolutely right. Uh, and Chris Quill, we had Chris Clifford, who I see one of the, probably the funniest lawyer, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. part of the law society. But yeah, just and just a great to see all those guys that came back. Uh, absolutely, Michelle Lay, who was oh yeah, the, no, remember I, him? He was a defenseman yeah, on the '73 team. And, yeah, Larry Murphy and yeah. Alex Forsyth and some of those guys. Yeah. And, uh, the only thing better was the Queen's Cup. That was even better, I think, uh, this last spring. Was I never thought I'd see that Memorial Center full, you know, such enthusiasm. I mean, what a great night that was. I just had Ben Pilon uh, yes. in here yeah. this morning, and he played at the University of Guelph. And he was telling me the story that last year for the Queen's Cup, because he played for Guelph, he was going to go to the game. He gave his ticket away to his brother and then went to get another ticket. Well, it was sold out. So he ran home and got his old Guelph uh, tracksuit on <laughs> and went in the players' edge and said, I'm with the team. That's, that's that how right? we got that's into the got in, yeah. <laughs> no, That was a great night, and uh, I never thought I would see the Memorial Center. Uh, a championship run, uh, won and a trophy hoisted and all that stuff. It was, it was fantastic. It, 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 that night reminded me of the electricity in there of uh, back in uh, 74, 75, so the spring of 75. Oh, absolutely. When, when yeah. Marley series. And, People and, lined up all night for tickets. Uh, they would, uh, the team came home home I, I think uh, Lenny Coyle was telling me that they came home from one of the games in Toronto they were playing the next night they got into the Memorial Center around 2 or 2 30 in the morning and there were people lined up in the hallway of the Memorial Center waiting for tickets yeah hard to believe you know some of the very best years for that franchise were in the first three or four yeah. years yeah some great teams some great players and some great memories and 
I was in that booth and starting in 1981 wow. with uh, Jim Gilchrist after Chris Cuthbert left, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. And I took over for Cuthbert and, uh, you know, having grown up, listened to Max Jackson and got to work with Max and all of that. And, you know, to sit in that booth at the Memorial Center where you're basically right over the home team's bench, yeah. right close to the ice. Uh, wow. It was something else to do games there. Tell me about Max. I mean, he's a guy that I knew a little bit as a kid because I was, uh, I, I would see him Saturdays in the fall at the stadium because I was a water boy at the football team. Such a nice man and just an incredible icon in, in, in the city. And you got to work with him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. A lot of people still ask me, did you know Max Jackson? Yeah. And, uh, you know, he actually hired me uh, to do sports at CKWS. I was 20 years old. Youngest sports anchor, actually, in the history of the station to this day. And a chance that I didn't deserve. Chris Cuthbert had just left. So Cuthbert was there, who's now one of the preeminent yep. broadcasters in Canada. My favorite play by Yeah, absolutely. Right. A great guy. I worked a little bit with Chris, too. He went to CJAD in Montreal. That was his first stop at the English radio station there. But I'd grown up watching Max, and I, I was hired originally as a as a disc jockey. So I had my own radio show when I was 19, really? believe it or not. And Max was in the building. And I, I used to always tell this story that I'd see Max in the hallway. I just wanted to reach out and touch the guy. <laughs> right? Like I couldn't believe like there's, Oh my God, there's Max Jackson. And then he hired me to work in sports at age 20. And I worked with him for a couple of years and he retired. And, you know, even Tim long after he retired, he went right to Florida. Yes. I uh, he remarried, his wife had died and he lived in Florida full time. And I used to call Max all the time. And I nominated him for the Kingston Sports Hall of Fame. Um, I happened to MC the dinner that night. I was fired shortly thereafter. Uh, but <laughs> hey, I got we all get fired. That's right. That, yeah, I uh, I got to introduce Max, which was great. And uh, and then when he passed away, uh, his son Maury, who actually worked for Dome Productions in Toronto and had quite a career behind the scenes in television. You know, he called me and asked me if I would do Max's eulogy, and uh, you know, it was it was such such a great honor and. Uh, I still remember they had a glass of water on the podium and I took a little sip and I said, I was hoping that was vodka, but it, <laughs> but it wasn't because it was pretty emotional for me. So, uh, so Max was actually a great influence on me. He was, he was a real mentor and uh, just near the end of his run, that's kind of where I started um, editorializing the sports, right? Which Max never did much no. of. And, uh, and he was not really a fan of that, but he just kind of said to me, you know, Potter, if you're going to do that, you got to be willing to take some darts, right? And uh, and I said, well, that's, that's all good, Max, you know? And uh, so, yeah, he was even supportive of that because it wasn't his cup of tea that I was doing the sports that way. And then it just got worse as, uh, after he left and re <laughs> retired, but, which is also an interesting story. I, I met the legendary Dick Beddoes one time, and uh, that's actually how I sort of got off on a tangent. And if I could just sidebar here for a minute, Tim, uh, I applied for a job at CHCH in Hamilton. And I was only two or three years into my career. And Dick Beddoes was doing the sports there. And I had grown up because my dad always subscribed to the Globe and Mail. And he was a controversial columnist for years. Yeah. Great writer. Uh, but he switched over to TV. And he used to wear a straw hat on the TV. Fedora, and, uh, big, yeah. and the first time I ever saw him on TV, I was in Toronto. And uh, the Canadian Open Golf Tournament was on. And it was day one. There was a bunch of no-names that were leading the pack, right? And he would read off each name and say, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> who the hell is that guy? And then he said... These guys will be back next year. They'll be parking cars in Glen Abbey next year. <laughs> so anyway, I met I met Dick, Dick Meadows. I went down. I had lunch with him in Hamilton. He looked at my uh, videotape of my sports broadcast. He says, "You know, you seem like a nice young guy, and your your presentation's okay." But he said, "There's there's no reason why I would tune in tomorrow night and watch you." He said, you've got to get the audience fired up. You've got to start getting onto some things, right? And he said, "Who's your favorite hockey team?" I said, "Montreal." Do you hate the Leafs? I said, absolutely. And that's the Harold Ballard era, right? Oh, he goes, yeah. yep. 
He goes, you got all the material you need, son, for the next 10 years, right? So honestly, I got back to work and then I started railing on the Leafs and then I moved on to the Kingston Canadians and the Blue Jays choking in 87. And I just got off on all that stuff and uh, obviously built myself quite a reputation at CKWS. Did you ever? (laughs) (laughs) And and you and I have done some radio bits together. Oh, no, absolutely. right, And uh, even some on some Frontenac's broadcast too. So... um, (laughs) But, you know, I'm a Portsmouth guy, Tim, yep. and uh, just a straight shooter. And uh, and it's funny because I always felt comfortable doing that. And and, that, and actually, Dick Beddoes, one thing he said to me, and I'm sure you've heard this before, the best thing to be on TV is just yourself. Yep. Like, don't try to be somebody you're not. And if you just speak openly and honestly, uh, it's going to get you in trouble sometimes. But, <laughs> you know, sports is all about engaging people, you know. And um, I was lucky that... You know, by the time I was 18 or almost 18, I was drinking in the Portsmouth Tavern on a regular basis. And and that's just what guys did, right? You get together, you talk about sports, everybody has an opinion. And I'm proud of the fact that I've actually been on TV and radio in Kingston now. This is actually my 40th year because yeah. I had my first radio show in 1979. And uh, some of the things I've said and done... The fact that I'm still here, I mean, obviously it shows that, you know, people at least tolerate an opinion or can appreciate that you have one. Well, I, I you know, I, as you know, I've been broadcasting for a few years and, and base a lot of my stuff on opinion. And sometimes I'm not as brave as you, <laughs> but uh, I've got myself in some hot water from yes. time to time. And it's, 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 enter- it, it, uh, it's entertaining to myself. To, well, for sure. To, right. Know, yeah. Yeah. People say, yeah. Oh, how hard can broadcasting be? I said, well, you know, shit on the Leafs and, and in a, in a room full of uh, Leaf fans. Oh yeah. And, no, and, I'm, I'm, no and, and it's one thing to say it in a bar. It's another thing yeah. to get on, on TV or radio and say it. And, uh, you know, I know with the Frontenacs, and, and like you said, we both got ourselves in a lot of trouble there, and I was kind of the lead dog, but you were closely <laughs> behind. And uh, But I always felt, Tim, and I always feel this way, is that at the end of the day, you're representing the fans, right? Like the paying customer, they don't have the voice that you and I have. That's right. And, and you got to ask the questions that, you know, if Joe Fan wants to ask a question, this is what he'd ask. Absolutely. So if you get in front of the owner or the coach or the general manager, you ask those questions. And uh, you're, not, you're not, I was tr- never trying to be vindictive or nasty about it, but I think anything I ever did was was legitimately representing the concerns the fans had, right? I think the the one big difference in that organization, the Frontenac's organization, you know, you and I know yes. that, that we felt uh, that they had thin skin at, at, at some oh, time. absolutely. But I think with bringing Doug Gilmore on board, yeah. uh, there was a complete change in their attitude towards the media because Doug Gilmore had had so much exposure exactly. and experience with yeah. the media. And he... He's, he embraced us. You know, he really uh, didn't, you know, there wasn't, he, he tore down some walls. That Absolutely, built, he did. So, yeah, no, yeah. for sure. And, and through the Hockey Hall of Fame, I mean, we've done some uh, some events with the Frontenacs. I mean, last year was our 75th anniversary. We brought the Stanley Cup and the Memorial Cup. We brought Ken Linsman to Kingston. He was yeah. honored by the Frontenacs. I mean, his banner hangs there, but he'd never actually been honored at the arena itself at the Leon Center. So, yeah, we've worked on some events with them. And, uh, you know, I, I still have my opinions. Uh, I don't have quite the audience I used to have, but, and they understand that too. So I think there is an understanding there that I think one thing people will always say about me, Tim, and you too, uh, I want what's best for hockey in Kingston, Absolutely. right? So I mean, I'm willing Absolutely. to criticize and, uh, you know, shoot down some things that happen. But at the end of the day, my intent is I want to see the best thing for Kingston. You know, I, this summer I had lunch with uh, Larry Malott, who's the, the voice of the Guelph Storm. And we're talking, you know, so here's a Guelph Storm. They became the Storm, what, in the late late 80s? Yep. They've been to six Memorial Cups. 
they won it as the Guelph Platers and as the Guelph Biltmores, right? So there's, you know, there's eight Memorial Cup trips in Guelph that, that we haven't had, right? So, and, and, and to me, that's the bottom line. I just like to go to a league final. Well, for sure, right? Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. We had a conference final a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. And hopefully someday that happens. But talk about uh, being criticized. My, I always found uh, you really got the arrows shot at you if you were critical of minor ho- of ki- minor hockey or, or the people that run minor hockey. That's when I, I got myself in trouble a few times. Well, I've got strong opinions yep. about that too. I yep. mean, uh, I think there's way too many silos in yep. Kingston. Absolutely. Uh, I would like to see just actually one organization, uh, you know, that has house league, you know, single A, double A, triple A, and bring everybody together under one roof. Right. And you've got the girls hockey too. Could but not agree more. Uh, I've had some people approach me along the way and saying, you know, we should try to get kind of an outside committee maybe to make this happen. But uh, you talk about tearing down walls. Well, I mean, there, there's some huge walls there. And I, I still believe like even in triple A hockey today, uh, uh, you know, there's no reason why Kingston can't win championships and we don't hardly ever do that because I think it's pretty clear that we don't have the best players on the ice. And there's a whole lot of reasons for that. I mean, financial reasons is one because it's so expensive now to play AAA hockey. It's but it's um, but yeah, even in house league, you know, my son last year played the Kingston minor hockey peewee. They have six teams, like six teams in yeah. house league peewee hockey, which is ridiculous, right? And I don't know how many the church league has, but they should play an interlocking schedule. And there's all kinds of things. Well, that it should just be there. one league. Well, that's right. Yeah. It should be. Uh, ultimately, that's that's the key, right? Just yeah. have one league, uh, everything from AAA right down to house league. You know, I, I, I admire what Jeff Downey has done. Uh, Absolutely. With his junior Great girls job. program and trying to break down these walls and try, you know, there were, he was... I didn't know much about volleyball, but said, you know, there were two volleyball organizations. You put one to make it one. You've got a, a you know, a team that's going to compete for a national championship. Yeah. Jeff's done a great job. And, and I think it's great for Queens University too, yeah. to, you know, to interact and, and really get these partnerships in place with local minor sports organizations. It's a win-win all the way around. So you've been in the news recently. You've uh, stepped down after 19 years as president of the uh, Hockey Hall of Fame. You were involved with the hall for close to 40 years. Um, a, a lot had to go into that decision. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Very big decision. I think, uh, it's the one anchor I've had in my life, like my entire adult life. I've been involved with the hockey hall of fame and, you know, careers change, relationships change, things change. But I mean, that's always been there for me. And, uh, it was a big decision, but there's a, there's a lot that did go into it. I mean, we had our 75th anniversary last year, as I said, and I, you know, we had a great celebration of our 75th year. And I thought, you know, I'm probably not going to be here for the 100th or if I am, I'm not going to be involved anyway. So I thought that was a good jumping off point. But I think what a lot of people don't understand, Tim, is that, uh, you know, what I did with the Hockey Hall of Fame, it's like basically running a small business on a volunteer basis, which means it's 52 weeks a year. It's almost every day. There's emails, there's phone calls. There's there's a lot of things you have to concern yourself with. And um, after 40 years, I uh, literally, I've I've woken up almost every single day thinking about the Hockey Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, I recently celebrated my last birthday with a five in front of it. So I'm starting to think, you know, <laughs> how much runway have I got left here? Uh, and I, I think the other thing with it too is is transition is very important, right? And I've been very lucky. Larry Paquette, well, who was, I, who was my one of my defense partners. Oh, there you go, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there, yeah. Yeah, St. Joseph's, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah, uh, St. Mary's. Oh, St. Mary's. Yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, no, okay, no, no, yeah, yeah. no, not St. Joseph's. Okay, <laughs> sorry about that. But yeah, Larry, Larry's a great guy, and he's yeah. been involved for 20 years, and uh, you know. Uh, 
The, the problem is when you're the second in command, you still do a lot of the work and you, you get none of the credit. And Larry was was willing and certainly able to take over. And we're kind of doing almost a 12-month transition right now where, you know, I certainly haven't pulled away. I mean, I'm still involved and will continue to be, but sort of transitioning things over to Larry. But I think for the organization, because I always felt, you know, if, if Larry left, there's really nobody else to to take this thing over, right? Which means that, um, you know, I'd wake up dead one day and I'd still be the president <laughs> of the Hockey Hall of Fame, which I didn't want. So, so that was important to me for the organization. It was important to me to sort of pass that torch on to Larry. And the other thing is, too, from a family point of view, I mean, my, my son, Charlie, is uh, he's turning 12 this fall. He's switching schools. He's going into grade seven. And I'm sure you've been with, with, with your boys. You've been through this. Everyone tells me that when kids get to be 15 or 16, they're going to go through a period of time where they want nothing to do with mom or dad, right? <laughs> and, uh, and Charlie and I, you know, we're good buddies and we still hang out a lot and do a lot of things. And I thought, you know, I need to get a few things off my plate here over the next two or three years that um, I can devote more time sure. to that. But, right. but the bottom line really is this, Tim, is that the Hockey Hall of Fame is, is, is far too important to me, you know, to ever truly let it go. So I, I think I'll still be involved. You know, our historian is Bill Fitzel, and Bill recently celebrated his 95th uh, 95th birthday, and he's still involved. Like, yeah. he still does some things what for us, right? Man. So, yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. because uh, I've had such a strong connection to the Hall uh, for many, many years. And, and one story I like to tell, because people often ask me about how I got involved with the Hall of Fame, and... Uh, so my family burial plot is at Cataraqui Cemetery, which, as you know, is a very big place. And when I was a kid, my grandfather died when I was two. So my mom would take my brother and sister and I and my grandmother to visit my grandfather's grave. And about 20 feet away, there's this big monument that's 10 or 12 feet high. It's kind of a burgundy color. I remember looking at that and thinking, like, whoever that guy was, you know, either he was pretty important or he had money or both. And it's Captain Sutherland. So, okay. so the founder of the Hall of Fame is literally buried 20 feet from my family plot <laughs> at Cataraqui. And now my parents, of course, are there and my grandparents. And uh, I always thought kind of there was some kind of karma there that it's just funny that I found my way to the Hall of Fame. And back in 2012, both Captain Sutherland and I were both inducted into the Kingston Sports Hall of Fame on the very same night. And I think his run with the Hall of Fame was probably close to mine, about 40 years as well. But well, he, uh, he was the founder. Uh, found, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, he pushed for it for years and years and years. And that's a remarkable story that, you know, he convinced the National Hockey League that the Hall of Fame should be in Kingston, Ontario, because it was determined, at least at that point in time, in the 1930s and 40s, that Kingston was the birthplace of hockey, right? And uh, But, you know, you think about that era, and he took so many train trips and would go to New York and Chicago and Boston. He'd meet with NHL owners, and he spent years, you know, beating the drum, writing letters, and he finally convinced them to do it. And it's just, it's just shameful that it never really took off. In Kingston, there was never a building built. And Con Smythe, who owned the Leafs, and he, Con Smythe always hated the fact that the Hockey Hall of Fame was in Kingston, even though we didn't have a physical building, because at the time he thought it should be in one of the original six cities. It should be in Toronto. So ultimately, I mean, one day Clarence Campbell just sent a telegram to Kingston. This Same. was in 1958, yep. which was three years after Captain Sutherland died. And it never would have happened, I don't think, if he was still alive. But he was 85 years old, right? He died in 1955. And they pulled the plug. They went to the CNE grounds in Toronto, which was a bit of a joke for a long, it was. long time. It absolutely right? so, was. Until they moved to Front yeah. Street, which is only yeah. 25 years ago now, I yeah. think, right? So, yeah. uh, but it just seems like the Hockey Hall of Fame, you know, has never been embraced fully 
by the people of Kingston. Even when we got it here from the NHL, you know, there wasn't the support. You know, we tried to move into the SNR building, the Smith Robinson building, which was certainly the most frustrating time of my tenure with the Hall of Fame. And, uh, you know, there was such a great opportunity there. I, you know, I had plans in place. I'd spoken with David Branch and the OHL was interested because the OHL doesn't have a Hall of Fame. David Branch feels very strongly they should have one. And, you know, he came down a couple of times. He toured the building like he thought the whole thing was great. But it was one of those things we got shot down by two votes at Kingston City Council and uh, very short-sighted, I think. You know, you look at where Milestones is today, that would have been the Hockey Hall of Fame. And, and Hank Dornicamp, who redeveloped that building, Hank had approached me. And uh, it, it's just, to me, it's a shame because yeah, I, I, think, I think in yep. the right place, the Hockey Hall of Fame could be a major tourist point in Kingston. And I also think, you know, we talk about the first capital, we talk about Sir John A, and that's all, nobody talks about Sir John A anymore, but that, <laughs> but that's all great. But nobody really has embraced the hockey story, and it'll never be determined, you know, where was the first game played, because the game evolved. But no question, you know, based on, on the data and the research, we're right there, right? I mean, that, you know, there was a, a diary that was written by a, a soldier at Fort Henry who was originally from Halifax, Arthur Freeling was his name. That diary is in the National Archives in Ottawa. And it was the very first time that the word hockey was used or written. He wrote right in his diary, we had fun playing hockey on the ice this year. And that was, you know, really one of the things that Captain Sutherland used to say, look at, you know, this, this is where hockey started. The word first came to be here in Kingston. And uh, again, I've said for years, I've told, I don't know how many mayors, we need signs on the 401 saying Kingston, Birthplace of hockey, right? Yeah, so, I, yeah. I totally yeah. agree. And and you know that it is it was short sighted of of the NHL and 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 Campbell to move it yeah, because that's right. You know, look at Cooperstown, look at look at Canton, Ohio, exactly small towns that you know that yeah. Cooperstown is uh, literally in the middle of nowhere. Oh, that's right. Yeah, and the thing was <laughs> and, too, and it, this is 1943, so we're yeah. in the, we're talking the middle of the Second World War. Yeah. So and, and the NHL only ever gave Kingston 7,500 bucks. <laughs> Each team pledged 5,000. There should have been another 30 that never came. And Captain Sutherland, like, worked so hard. And he even sold his boat. I mean, the story goes he had a very nice boat because he was a fairly wealthy guy. Yeah. He sold his boat. He gave the money to the mm. Hall of Fame. You know, they eventually raised over $100,000. And Clarence mm. Campbell just kept saying, you know, wasn't enough, wasn't enough. And I think who I really admire are the guys that were there in the late 50s and 60s because they basically persevered and said, you know what? We're going to build a building, and they did. And it didn't get open until 1965. And in the early days, this was right beside the Memorial Center yep. at York and Alfred Street. I remember the building well. In the early days, uh, second floor was a Hall of Fame. The first floor was a banquet hall. It even had like a stage area, an orchestra pit, all that stuff. Uh, they used to have weddings and stags there and all of that. We didn't take over the whole building until 1978. But, but you know, when, they, when we got that telegram, it just shows you some of the perseverance of people from Kingston that – you know, people stuck with it and they still built a hall of fame and we probably never really found our rightful place. But the bottom line is, you know, we're the first hockey hall of fame in the world. We're the oldest sports hall of fame in Canada and they can never take this away from us. They don't like to talk about it, but the first 42 inductees went in during the Kingston era. And back then captain Sutherland and typically the mayor of Kingston, who for most of that time was Stuart Crawford, they would go to every NHL arena every year and present the scroll, right? Like, you know, they would just go to center ice, Lionel yeah. Conacher, whoever, you know, here's your scroll. You're now inducted into the hockey hall of fame. There was, there was no, no, dinner. no, no, no. there was nothing, right? So no, no TSN yeah, yeah, compared to what it is today. Right. Yeah. So, uh, and the first 42 that went in, uh, you know, even, even today, I still think it's understated. I know they have totally, a, they yeah. have a, they have a hall of fame game in Toronto, but it's never, 
over on a Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, uh, and, and they know, still play regular NHL games that yeah, night, which is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, right. It, it so should, yeah, it should no, be, it sure. should be a hall of fame day. And, Absolutely. And, and, yeah. You know, I, I still think, you know, God bless TSM, but I still think the, the ceremony is a little hokey. It, it is. It's, yeah. it, I think it could be done much better. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and football does it very well. In oh, Canada, do they ever? Said, and right? and, and Cooper's town too, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, thank you. Uh, thank you for coming in. This is, this has been fun. Well, uh, we'll have you in again. Well, I appreciate uh, yeah. it, Tim. Uh, we, we've enjoyed a lot of good years together yep. uh, working in, on the broadcast and stuff. And <laughs> always nice to catch up with you. And And I listen to your podcast all the time. So I know I you've had all that. the A-listers in Kingston. <laughs> no, no, we're, we've got a long way to go. You, You're skipped, still you, on skipped, the you skipped over the B's and the C's and you went right to the D's. No, so. no. You, Thank you, brother. I appreciate it. <laughs> we've had a lot of fun on the air together over we the sure years. Have. Yeah, great to catch up. Oh, Thank thanks, you, Tim. Thanks,